Hello, I'm your host, Rochelle Rice, and this is Tell Her This, a storytelling podcast. No advice, no self-help, just stories from women who represent people just like me and just like you. What began as a journey more than 6,000 miles around the U.S. has continued to even more incredible stories from women who have opened their lives to all of us. If you'd like to support Tell Her This, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash tell her this. For as little as $5, you can help ensure that I can keep bringing you these incredible stories. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash tell her this. The link is also in the show notes. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your stories about the women in your life. Maybe it's your mom or a coworker. Maybe it's an artist or the person who works at your local grocery store. Pull up your voice memo app and press record. I'm collecting your short stories answering this prompt. Tell me a story about a woman who changed your life. Stories should be three minutes or less, and you can send them to tellherthispodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. This is the Tell Her This podcast. Why won't you My name is B. Steadwell, and I'm 36 years old. B. Steadwell is creative, dynamic, soulful, and beautiful. An award-winning and celebrated artist. A lover of loving who has grown quite a following as a multi-hyphenate musician, filmmaker, and storyteller. Their music is introspective and deep, funny and sensual. They're the kind of artist who you listen to and immediately want to get to know. She's been on my radar for a while, as we both share some of the same social and musical circles. And on a crisp afternoon... In the haze of time called winter break, I sat in their cozy and beautiful home studio and listened to her stories of loving, of healing, and of contending with one's own heart. I am a queer, black, multiracial musician, artist, lover boy, um, and I show up in the world with Love songs, love stories, and silliness, sweetness, some heartbreak. Um, and my goal, I think, as a, as a human in this, um, in this life is to make art and music that sort of allows people like me, marginalized people, queer people, black people, um, to feel more seen, to feel like their feelings and experiences are beautiful. When I was little, I was I was extremely shy, and um, I'm an introvert now. But I think even more so then, I was like, I didn't know. I just felt like the world did not understand me, and I did not understand the world and people and grownups and um, and because. Um, I grew up around a lot of white people, you know, um, my parents are amazing parents and they wanted me to go to the best schools and all that. And, um, what, 
was lost, I think, in that um, experience was, you know, if you're the only one in the room, that means, um, again, you're questioning your intelligence, your beauty, your power. And you want to be like everyone else, you know, you want to be just another girl or whatever. I loved to sing. I loved music. I loved the music that my older sisters listened to. They listened to like one of my sisters, Laura, listened to like grunge and, you know, like kind of alternative kind of white boy, you know, stoner boy music. Um, Nick Drake and and them and and my older sister Kate listened to um, a lot more R and B and hip hop and rap. They both they both listened to rap and I was like listening to that. And then my parents listened to um, a lot of jazz standards. Um, and I don't know. I just I consumed music um, and loved it, but I was so shy that I never sang in front of anyone. Um, <laughs> And I remember um, a lot of my childhood I don't remember very well, I think because I was, it was not fun. Like I wasn't really um, happy, but um, I remember I used to roll the window down in the car and I would sing into, <laughs> into the wind basically and like in a way that no one could hear me, but it was like this like beautiful moment by myself where I could just... Um, you know, just just sing. That sort of makes me um, really remember little little me and like I, I don't even know if what I'm doing makes sense or is good, but I'm just I just am loving music kind of by myself in my own world. But brown girl be swan Brown girl be swan Bee's music contains a multitude, which perhaps is the goal for any artist. I find myself woven throughout their lyrics, whether it's about being an awkward Black girl or a completely disillusioned lover. It's like holding up a mirror. The first song that comes to mind is um, a song I wrote called Brown Girl. And it's... um. It's more like a song to my inner child than maybe a song about what I struggle with now, but um, it's kind of just about being the only one in the room, the only black girl in the room, brown girl in the room, and um, feeling heartbroken by the world and feeling ugly, um, questioning your power and your intelligence your beauty and it's just kind of from the outside talking to that little girl and saying right now you feel um you feel small you feel like nobody believes in you and and it causes you to to lash out it causes you to be sad to be angry and it also just allows the song allows for kind of a happy ending which to me is um when you realize that I have all these things, I am all these things. I feel like I've always been attracted to um, to pop music and this very um, 
simplified, um, boiled down um, way of expressing yourself. So um, I, I like to think of it as like small words for big feelings. And I think pop music resonates with um, the biggest numbers of people because it's like, it's, you know, a, a chorus that's like, I will always love you is just, and you know, it, it anyone can feel that. Anyone has felt that before. And um, so, I don't know. I, th- I think it's, I don't know how nuanced it is. I think it's like, it's just accessible and it's um, an invitation to really, um, to see yourself in it. And the song that describes me most as an artist, um, gosh, I think right now, <laughs> right now, I'll say my favorite song to perform. Uh, and one of my favorite songs that I wrote is called Fuck Boy. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, I'm so embarrassed like by the stuff I'm describing in there. make me come this hard but it's I think I was just so depressed one day and I was like in kind of a not super healthy situationship and um and I was like I'm gonna be playful with this I'm gonna talk about the depression I'm gonna talk about the good sex I'm gonna talk about how I'm not shit sometimes you know like it's just so that I think feels like the most fun playful take on depression casual sex and like dating a Scorpio a consistent theme in B's music is that experience in and out of love and in and out of relationship I especially appreciate their truth-telling and honest look at their own responsibility and destructive behavior. At the end of my 20s and the beginning of my 30s, I was in a a really big relationship. And and this was before I, I started AA. So at the end of my drinking days and, oh God, I don't even know how to tell that story. It was the end of our relationship, and we had kind of gotten through. I cheated, and um, and she forgave me, and um, um, she, there were some moments where she did stuff that was really sad to me, and um, we had just gotten through a lot of really, really tough stuff, and we were. Um, non-monogamous at the time and um and I think I think it just very slowly occurred to her that she didn't have the energy anymore to like keep going and it had not occurred to me I you know I thought like this is my person we're gonna end up together um and I think one day I just we were talking and she just seemed so tired and I and I just said are you in love with me? Are you still in love with me? Um, and she kind of tried to s- say something. She, she was like, I'm really going through it. There's a lot. Like, it was just one of those, like, you're just avoiding the question. Like, tell me, are you still in love with me? And she said, I don't know. That was the last, that was the last time. Um, and that was enough, I think, for me to say, 
okay, it's over. <laughs> it's over. I don't want to be. I don't want to be in love with someone and and fight for someone who's kind of like becoming indifferent to me, uh, toward me, and you know, it's that kind of thing where you're you're almost like yells, do something, throw something, like be angry, be passionate, care. Um, but somebody who just doesn't care anymore and who has become so numb. Um, that was that was probably the most heartbreaking thing that could have happened. Now looking back, I think, you know, because I was younger, there were a lot of other moments that probably could have could have given me signals, could have could have given both of us signals to um to let it go, but you know, you just don't. That relationship taught me a lot about who I was at the time which was like a very self-centered, destructive person. I don't know if anyone before, you know, before recovery or before lots of therapy really can admit that about themselves. Like, you know, we, we justify a lot of the things we do. Um, and I did, but, um, you know, this was a relationship I thought I really wanted. And I did a lot of you know, I, I cheated. I, you know, I was very jealous. I was very um, insecure. And I did a lot of things to hurt this person and really um, mess the relationship up. And I had to learn that I was not a good person. I had to learn that I was the way that my um, actions were not aligned with who I thought I was, um, who I wanted to be. I did not have integrity, you know, and and we broke up. Um, you know, she she ended up leaving eventually, or sort of drifting away eventually, and um, and I think the ending of that relationship was, wow, yeah, you, this is this is fucked up. Um, and I spent after after we broke up, I spent a year drinking every day just just like waking up hungover um and really looking for like all I was gonna do was work and drink and I and I, I was like I'm gonna drink myself to death like that's just that was just my plan I didn't want to live I didn't love myself um at all and you know because I thought that this person in this relationship was all there was And after, yeah, sort of uh, splashing around in that self-pity and, and the drinks for a year, I, um, I went to AA and, and um, just from immediately from that first meeting, I, I was like, I'm not, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never, I, I was so tired. <laughs> I was so tired and I was so broken and, um, and I didn't get to the point of, you know, crashing my car or doing, you know, anything really obviously scary or harmful, but I hated myself. So, you know what I mean? I was like, um, that was my rock bottom. It was, it was not knowing how to love myself or wanting to live. And, um, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that relationship was, yeah, it was, it was the biggest heartbreak, but it was also, um, the catalyst for me to change. For B, it wasn't about a rock-bottom spiral of obvious and explicit self-destruction, but rather deep heartbreak 
and needing to be okay within herself. You definitely don't have to crash your car or, um, you know, or OD in the streets to to go to AA, like, or to go into recovery. Um, when when you do go to recovery, you see there's a really big range about how people used, how people hit it, how people kept their jobs sometimes. Um, and I mean, the really the key is like, are you okay? Like, are you emotionally um, in your heart? Are you are you okay? And if you're not okay, then um, there's nothing wrong with finding community and saying like, what did y'all do? Like, what's what's your strategy for um, for working through this? And I think for me, the moment I knew I was an alcoholic since college, I knew I, I knew I had a problem. Um, and I think when you're young, you're just like, this is normal. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And then, you know, I would be like the first one to drink, the last one drinking still. Um, and um, I still got good grades. I, I was an honor student in college. I did a lot of, I made a lot of, you know, pretty good art and music um, in spite of the fact that I was drinking a lot. Um, and I think that year after the big breakup, um, every day I said, I, I want to stop. And I and I, I was like, I'm not going to drink tomorrow. And I would, I made an altar and I prayed to the ancestors and I had rituals and all the candles. And um, I just kept saying, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. And I kept not stopping. Um, I couldn't even like skip a day. There was one day I was in Seattle on a gig and I was like, I'm going to go to AA. I looked up the address. I went and the building was not there. It was not there. Like it was a nut, it was an old listing. And so I, I went back and drank the beer that was there. Anyway, I, you know, it was, I, I kind of was like, I know I should do this. I know I should see what's possible. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big, um, it wasn't a big moment at all. I just woke up hungover again. I looked up, you know, where are their meetings in DC? And I drove myself to a meeting just because I was fucking tired. I was like, anything, I'll do, I'll do anything at this point. And I think that was the difference. Um, it's, it's, it's about like, it's about a kind of surrender where you're saying like, I, I, I need help. I can't do this by myself. I can't just say, I'm gonna stop. Even though I'm saying the ancestors are helping me, I'm like, I'm saying I'm doing it and I can't do it by myself. And, you know, going into the meeting meant um, it allowed me to to see the community, even just a little glimpse. And I was like, we're all doing this together. And, and this is this is godly. This is spiritual. This is like this is um, something I, I can take it off my shoulders now. Bee's history with love, their love story, is a journey they've documented well across their music and songwriting. And of course, like most of us who find ourselves in various states of partnership with other human beings, it has been at times, well, complicated. Uh 
cat bitches, blue fish, and licorices. Slow kisses, love so delicious. The last person I I was in partnership with, um, <laughs> we had um, we had an incredible uh, sort of like emotional spiritual connection, and I've always been I've always kind of been the one in the relationship who who maybe wants it a little less. And that feels very safe in some ways. And I think in this, um, in this situation, um, my, um, I learned a lot. I le- like, I grew a lot. It's the sort of thing um, where you fall in love with someone and then you realize that they're not ready for any of the things that you want, um, even if they said they were. I did experience a lot of joy with with this person. Um, I experienced a relationship where um, we didn't yell at each other, you know, um, which I always wanted. You know, I was like, I know it's possible to, you know, talk through conflict and really process conflict. Um, And that um, and and to be less reactive. Um, And I sort of learned how to do that with them. But um, but. On the other hand, we were processing conflict constantly <laughs> and not and not moving forward, not growing. It it just took me a long time to to figure out that our pacing was so different. They were they were wanted to go so slowly and they wanted specific things and I wanted to just I was like I'm ready, let's go, let's go, let's go. It had sort of these these extremes of of pain and sort of realizing slowly that I needed to let go, but also like wanting so badly to hang on and get closer and walk walk toward this person. Ultimately, um, it just was out of balance. Yeah, um, and I think the the lesson that I learned with them, which seems kind of obvious now but also really hard to accept is that being in love with someone is not enough um being in love with someone does not mean you should be in partnership with them and I always thought like I'm in love so now we're gonna do all the things now we're gonna fucking um emerge in every way we can and it's and it's and it's kind of messed me up a lot in a lot of relationships because, you know, I wasn't really compatible. I wanted, what I've always wanted is a very, a deep romantic love and family and um, building a home with someone and um, closeness and um, being a team. it's a it's a it's a fantasy in some ways that I think we're 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 given <laughs> by um the movies and the and the and the books and the fairy tales um and also I think it's it is possible <laughs> um and I think if you're a romantic you believe even if you're totally pessimistic and and jaded, you know, there's a little part of your heart that believes that's possible.
I asked B about healing, and what they shared reminded me of the old adage, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. After my last partnership ended, I decided I was going to be slutty. I decided I was going to have a hoe phase. That felt like it was going to be healing to me. I was like, I don't want these deep, I'm in love with you, we're meant to be together, spiritual connections anymore. I don't want um, to find my my partner, wife, spouse, whatever. Um, I just want to have casual sex. Baby girl, eat the fruit. Take it slow, let me know how sweet the juice, mama. Honestly, it didn't work out at all. Like I, I it was, it was a failure. I was on the apps. I was on a few, a couple apps, and I went on some dates. They didn't go great. Um, I got friend zoned a lot. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where you're like, you want something so bad, and the universe is like, nope, nope, you, no, you, you're not getting that. Um, but. Um, I think what was healing about my my failed uh, slutty phase was um, just being single, you know, and figuring out what I really wanted um, and having, yeah, having my ego blown a few times, just having a few like hard moments, the hard dates, putting yourself out there. Um, I don't know, going to going to like events, happy hours and stuff. I was like, I don't even do this. It was healing to not keep chasing and grasping after this perfect ending romantic love that I really have always wanted. I just I was just like, no, just whatever's casual, whatever's easy. B's EP succulent is sensual and interesting. And if you want a glimpse into this era of their life, well, go run it up. And then you let me suck on it. Yeah, succulent was a similar, <laughs> was a similar like period of time. Um, oh God. Um, succulent did feel like a more of an anthem for my more recent slutty period but um but i wasn't actually having sex so no <laughs> a good lover or partner is a good listener is open to grow they share honestly with you they are excited to be romantic with you and for you you can imagine a, f- a future with them to me, it's it's about compatibility. It's about you know how you move at the same pace, how you how you work together, how you recognize like this is hard, this isn't working. Like how can we shift? I think it's it's like it's partnership in that there's like a balance of power and and care. You're really trying to strike a balance in that way, and it's honestly um, I don't I don't think it's something that I've experienced. Um, until recently. The person that I'm with now is um, amazing. <laughs> and um, and we um, are in love and we're really compatible. We're just, um, we're excited to 
just know each other and chit chat and care and like figure out the best ways to share space and I mean it sounds kind of boring when I'm describing it honestly but it's like it's like um again you know when I was younger I thought like being in love good sex what else what else is there like that's fine that's that's my partner you know and it's like and that's great you know that those things are great but I'm so excited to be with someone who's like deeply proud of me I'm proud of them I'm just like uh, I'm just like so amazed by them and I just want to get better every day at loving them you know what I mean and just and showing up for them and 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 learning about them um and I feel that returned it's it's just like it's so crazy good you know <laughs> so it's so oh I think I love I I love how I love that's that's so corny but I um I love my friends really deeply my family um it's not just about romantic love you know it's I just want to pour so much sweetness into people's lives and to connect and to um and to know people and I, I like I'm the kind of friend nobody wants to do this because everyone's too old but I want to have slumber parties like I want to like stay up all night and just tell each other secrets about like our hearts and you know what I mean like I just I'm I'm a softie I asked B how they met huh <sighs> Well, you know, anyone who's anyone who's knows queer people, which you do, uh, <laughs> uh, there's this stereotype that we move really fast and it's and it's not not true. It's a little bit true. Um, but yeah, I met this person and um, and I was like, oh, this is a very wholesome, nice guy kind of person and um, and then I was like oh they're very attractive and I feel things about them and again that was this was the slutty phase still I thought um, and um, and I just connected more and more with them and it just felt extremely deep like it's felt extremely deep really f- quickly um, and I know that there were there were moments when um you know in terms of like intimacy where they would like look in my eyes in a way that I was like whoa I was you know I was like and they're they're a Scorpio and it's you know Scorpios be intense they be like looking at you and you're like you're like oh my god my soul um and you know I like we were both like we we don't want a relationship we're being you know we're going slow we're being careful um but there were just moments where I would look at them and think like, can you feel that I love you? Like it, like it was just, I, and, and I wasn't going to say it. I was like, I'm, I won't say it. It's very soon. I'm not going to say it to them, but I would like look at them and just kind of like try to sort of telepathically tell them like, I love you. I think I love you. And, um, and I actually, I accidentally said it one day. <laughs> it was so fucking embarrassing. Um, 
Well, a friend of mine who knew I was trying to be slutty was like, do you, do you know? I told my friends. Um, they were like, do you know? And I was like, oh yeah, we've met a couple times. Um, they were like, I think you, I think you would like them. And I was like, okay, so he's, this is a mutual friend. And, and they went to, and they were like, um, you know, B. Steadwell? And was like, oh yeah, the musician? Yeah, whatever. And, um, and they were like, oh, you know, I think um, they're like trying to date and, you know, looking for some casual things, which I'm like, oh, God, embarrassing. Um, and they were like, oh, do you think they I'm their type? And my friend said, oh, yeah, <laughs> which I think is like, whoa, OK, very interesting. Um, is kind, smart, um, really really gorgeous and tall and like and just like the most you're like at a party and like they're just so magnetic you know um so I think probably anyone would would fall in love with but um but yeah so we went on a date and it was like I don't know it was cute it was I I thought they weren't into me honestly and I was just like, all right, I made another friend on a date like I've been doing. And um, we actually, um, a bird pooped on me, which I thought was a good, I was like, this is horrible, but like, that's supposed to be good luck. And then we went to the, um, the Arb, the Arboretum and someone got proposed to, and it was really beautiful. It was like, they were in front of the fountain and the guy got, I was watching him and then he got on one knee and I was like, oh my God, that guy's proposing. And then like everyone starts clapping and, and she figures out her family's there and she says yes. And everyone's clapping. And, um, this whole time I'm like, this person is not into me, but like, this is a really romantic moment. And, um, at the end of the date, I got out to like hug them and, um, say goodbye and and they said um, I, re- I, I really want to kiss you right now and I was like and then I just my face just turned into the cheesiest smile like you know the the kind where you can't you're like oh my god I'm, I'm so I just was so surprised and I was like really me um, and I was like trying to get my face to like stop smiling because I was like I have to I have to like prepare for the kiss and um I was like yeah of course I want to I was like you you're into me like that and they were like yeah you can't tell and I was like no I can't tell and I've like been on a lot of kind of not great dates and I thought you were yeah anyway um and so they kissed me it was like, it was a very nice guy, wholesome kiss. And then it was like, and then they like pulled me in in a way that was like, ooh, I would like, you know, with the, just a little slight, like just a little spice to it. And I was like, oh, interesting. You know, that's, that's information. You're definitely a Scorpio. Um, and, um, and I was like, as soon as they left, I was like, I want to make out with you again. When can we do this? And um, yeah, and we d- we did try to be casual and um, whatever uh, <laughs> slutty with each other, but 
I think it just felt so good so quickly and comfortable and um, yeah and I just even if it's crazy I, I had to say like I want to do everything with you I want to do life with you it's crazy it's been like five minutes whatever but um, but I have to at least acknowledge the fact that that's how I feel you know we were picking up coffee and about to go to the airport. They were taking me to the airport and um, and they were giving me, the, me their coffee order because I was gonna hop out and get it. And I was like standing up. I was like, I know, okay, I got it, I got it. All right, I love you. And, I, and then I was like, I just like lost my breath for a second. And I like slowly like lower my head down to the car to see like, did they hear me? And their face was like, I heard you. Did you just say that? And I and we were both just like, ah. And I was like, you know what? I didn't say that. Scratch that. Forget it. It's true. But I didn't mean to say it. So can we, let's just not, let's just pretend we didn't say it. And I like, we'll go to get the coffee. And they come in and they're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, let's go. And then we get in the car and they're, um, they're like, they're trained as a therapist, so they're never gonna avoid, you know, a conversation. So they're just like, do you wanna talk about it? Like, do you, are you, are you feeling things? Do you wanna talk about the feelings? And I'm like, uh, not really, I, I think, you know, and, and they're like, I, I don't, you know, I know it's really early and I understand why you said that. And I'm just like, please stop, please stop. I'm embarrassed, like, don't say it back. Don't think you have to say it back, let's just, do do like I just feel like my heart is like way ahead of my brain and I don't get it and I don't really know you that well but that's how I feel and um, we drove to BWI which is a nice 45 minutes right from DC and at the end of the drive they were like I I love you too and it's so scary and I don't know what this is and we were both just like cool um, bye, and I just left and got on the plane. I think it's one of those things that um, once I once I said it, I was like, when did I not love you? You know what I mean? It just felt like, it just felt like part of me. And I know I'm sounding so corny right now, but um, yeah. B has a lot to be proud of. Their success as a musician, thriving relationship, and most importantly, the honoring of oneself and their journey to sobriety. I'm definitely most proud of um, my sobriety and my like time in recovery. For me, recovery isn't just like I haven't had a drink in um, five and a half years. It's also about trying to be a better person and learn how to be, um, to show up in the world in, in a better way every day. So it's it's not, it doesn't end, you never graduate, you never really complete the work. It's just, um, you know, I have a sponsor and I work with, with her and I go to meetings. It would have been easy to just 
not do any of that. And like, you know, um, at least in my, in my mind, from my perspective then, but, um, but deciding to stop drinking and to, um, and to love people in my life in, in, um, in a better way. It's just, it's like everything. It's everything to me. Um, yeah, and to and to learn how to love myself too. That was um that was something I don't think I really knew how to do. The amount of confidence that I um experience just grows every day. Not necessarily in a linear way, right? Like it might be kind of squiggly, but um I started to I started to enjoy and have confidence in um, in my music really recently. It's kind of crazy. I, I've been I've been playing music, you know, kind of as a job for like ten years, a little bit more actually. Um, and I was always terrified to do it. Like every show, terrified. I don't know. Do you get that? Um. Yes. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but just about every performance, as equally as I'm looking forward to it, there's a voice in the back of my head that's like, if this got canceled, I'd be a little relieved. You'd be like a little relieved. Yeah, it's it's so weird. And I used to, yeah, I, anytime I got like a really cool opportunity, like a really cool gig, I was like excited, but then full of dread full of dread, worry, and, um, and thinking like, I think just underneath that really is like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not good enough, you know, which is like, intellectually, I know that's not true. We're trained to tell ourselves we're, we don't belong places and we're not supposed to do things. Um, and the past, I don't know, maybe past like two years, something shifted and I don't really know what it why or or how because I had been working so hard to to um, change how I approached my work um, but I was kind of like you're good at this people connect with the music that you make sometimes gigs aren't great but it's gonna it's gonna be great it's actually probably gonna be great you know I I started to get excited and um yeah, and in theory, you're like, get excited, you know. Um, adrenaline can either be, you know, anxiety or excitement. That's what, you know, the therapists and things tell, tell you. Um, you know that, but it's, you can't really, I don't know how to train yourself to be, train myself to say, don't get worried, get excited. The last time I played live, um, I had gotten a text, <laughs> um, I got a text from from a number I didn't recognize and they were like, hey, our opener dropped out. Do you want to open for the Indigo Girls? And I was like, immediately I was excited. I, I was just like, yes. I, I just said yes. Um, I, it, I had to drive to Delaware. It was like, it was very last minute. It was, I was tired. One, two, three, four. Any, like, three years ago and beyond, I would have been like, I would have said yes and I would have done it. But 
I would be so terrified. I would be so, I would just be like, that's a lot of people. This is a big opportunity. What's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Um, I'm, I'm scared they're not going to think this or whatever. And, and of course the doubts are there. I'm not like, whatever. I'm not like perfect, but, um, but I drove to Delaware by myself listening to Closer to Fine because they were like, you're going to sing with them on Closer to Fine, which is like, I was like, I'm in the Barbie movie right now. Um, and yeah, and I'm just like, I'm just allowing myself to be excited and confident. And, and I went and met them and, you know, the nerves of course were there, but I just went and, um, and I had fun. Um, the, the same worries that come up when I open for anyone, which is nobody came here to see me. Nobody knows who I am. Like they're just waiting for the Indigo Girls. I just felt like so happy to be on stage and so happy to share my music. Um, and the abundance of like sharing a crowd that's that loves a, you know a group's music so deeply, um, it just really like f- filled me up. So. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of the most confident moments I've had, I think, are in the past like two years. I think it's like anything; it's it's a practice. So you know, if the default is the inner critic and the and the doubt and the um and the worry, then um just get kind of logicking myself into feeling feeling differently it's risky to believe that you're going to do well like i think it's i think it's scary to say i'm i'm going to kill it today i'm going to like really i'm going to really blow their minds today i've just never been that kind of person and maybe some people are <laughs> but i've never been that guy i'm just very doubtful and humble probably to a fault right so um yeah just being brave and saying like I'm actually gonna I'm gonna kick ass today like that's it period that's that's what I do that's what I often do so let's 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 like assume that um it's really hard to do though I'm so proud and inspired by B. They're forging a new way for themselves in an industry and in a society that doesn't necessarily celebrate softness and truth. To find and honor one's own way is a radical act of self-love and to me is the true mark of success. I define success as eating good food, cooking good food, having beautiful experiences, Loving the people in your life well. Loving the work that you do. Having the space to be creative and um, just kind of be ready to leave this plane in a little, like with a pinch more sweetness and goodness than 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 when you came. And yeah, I, I feel successful. Definitely, I'm, I'm successful. I think about, I think about death <laughs> a lot. Maybe not a lot, but um, when I'm on a plane and there's turbulence, I'm not scared of flying. I actually really love flying, but when there's turbulence, I'm very much like, if I died now, if I die today, um, will I feel like I've 
done all the things that I could do, and I and I do. I feel like I've done all the things that I could do. I do want to do more things. I want to make more music. I want to make more art and spend more time, you know, loving and connecting with people. But um, but I feel like I've I've done a lot, <laughs> and I feel good about it. Deep gratitude to B for their time and their stories. The Tell Her This podcast was created by Rochelle Rice with support from DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. To support this podcast, please click the link in the show notes or visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash tell her this. Your support means so much to me. For more Tell Her This content, please visit tellherthispodcast.com and follow on social media at Tell Her This Podcast. Please share this episode with a friend and leave a rating or review. This episode includes music by Maya Rogers and today's guest, B. Steadwell. You can find out more about their music and Maya's latest project, Orion and the Remembering Tree, through the links in the show notes. Editing and sound design by Rochelle Rice. Mixing and editing by Ray Jala. And I'm your host, Rochelle Rice, and you can find me at Rochelle Rice Music across all social platforms. Until next time, be true and be well.